G'day everyone, welcome to the Talking Footy podcast. Each week across the footy season, a few of us are going to be talking with some of the biggest names in the game. I'm Hamish McLaughlin and this week we're talking to Trent Cotchin. Koch, as we know, is a hugely successful footballer, a very young captain of Richmond. He's a Brownlow medalist in unusual circumstances. But first and foremost, he is a husband, a father and a family man. He'll end up, I reckon, on acres, maybe commuting into the city, but he wants a simple life after footy. Koch and I, we spoke about the scrutiny and attention that comes with playing at Richmond. He talked about both on and off-field responsibilities at a young age. The moment last year when it all hit him and he knew things had to change. I don't think I had any forms of depression, but I suppose negative self-talk or negative thoughts typically can fall under that bracket as well. So I think it was just a mixture of, of weight um, and, and trying to carry that around and pretend that nothing was wrong and everything would be okay. Dealing with the keyboard warriors in his life, dealing with being a Brownlow medalist. Yeah, it's a difficult one. I, I reached out to Joe because that's what felt right for me. Did you give him a call? Yeah, left a message and never heard back. But the roller coaster that is the 2017 season and his relationship with Dustin Martin. Where do you reckon Dusty plays football in 2018? 10, Richmond. Absolutely positive. I'd be very disappointed if he wasn't. Trent Cotchin is a father of two, a husband, and he just happens to be the captain of, of a very big football club. He's a great chat. I hope you enjoy listening to him. We're talking footy. Welcome, Koch. Thanks, Hame. What do you love about footy? Oh, week to week, spending time with you know, a talented group of people, but I think the thing I love most about footy is going out there against the best week in, week out. Can you remember the first time you held a footy, smelled a footy? What's your first footy memory? Uh, I suppose my earliest memories would be going down to the local footy club, Reservoir Colts, um, with a best mate of mine. His older brother played in the under-9s. We were four, four and a half. Um, I started playing tackers um, that year. I don't know if I contributed much. It was probably more mud castles, but um, that's where my love of footy started and, and grew from there. When did you first think that maybe footy could be a life? It was a dream, really early days. I loved the game. Um, I was lucky that I was pretty talented in the sport um, and Dad had a real passion for it as well. Um, but probably not until you know, 15, 16 when people start talking about <clears throat> that you may get drafted and, and then it goes from being drafted to being a high pick and... Uh, it all starts to become a little bit real when managers knock on your door and want to sign you up before you even get drafted. So what's the first phone call you get when it suddenly gets serious? Is it a, is it a management group saying, we'd love to come and have a chat and pitch our wares? Then is that when you think, I'm going to get drafted here? Yeah, probably. Pro- that's the first real contact you have with the AFL world, aside from development programs. Um, I was lucky enough to be in the AIS program, which is now just the... I don't even know what it's called now, but it's the Academy, um, the AFL Academy. Um, but, yeah, probably a manager's call or seeing recruiters at a number of your representative footy games and, and starting to know them on a first-name basis. You say you loved footy. Do you still love it like you did, or is it a completely different relationship with footy to what it once was? It's, it's serious, but I think that's the world. I think this, the world's a very serious place. Um, and 
given what we focus on as as an as a professional sport, it's it's always outcome focused. So you don't get to enjoy the moments day in day out just as much as you probably should, and that's something that I try to encourage myself and and others to do. Um, you know, we're out there playing a game which is supposed to be fun. Kids do it their whole life growing up. Um, we're lucky enough that we're paid to do it as well. But at the end of the day, we're also judged on where we finish at the end of the year and whether it's been successful or not. Do you ever uh, find it staggering the amount of analysis and scrutiny that football gets in this town? And then are you ever amazed at how much scrutiny Richmond comes under within this town? There's no doubt we are the one of, if not the most, talked about football clubs. Um, and that's really good to be a part of, especially when things are good. Uh, but we're also the first that people want to put on the paper or talk about on their TV shows um, when things aren't so good. So it's about finding that balance. It is amazing. It, it always amazes me that <clears throat> the smallest thing can be a front-page story. Um, I think it's sad at times, <laughs> but it's the world we live in. I'm not making this up. This is what happens in football. Look at all the premiership teams that are late preliminary finals. Leaders. Koch had a really poor one. It'll eat away at him. I wrote a piece saying, should he still be captain? So I'm not picking on him when mm-hmm. I say that. This business is about winning and standing up. And Koch has to stand up. What do you reckon it is with Richmond? It's Richmond and Collingwood in terms of words per page, I would think, in the Herald Sun. Yeah. And um, talk back and on TV. What is it about Richmond and Collingwood that attracts so much interest? Size of the club, size of the members, historical success. You talk about the big four, I think we're two of the big four. Um, I think in the past, typically, we've been pretty reactive to to things that have been said. I think we've done that a lot better in the last 12, 18, 24 months. Um, But if you give it more oxygen, it grows, and and typically I think we've done that in the past, and these things take a, a while to peter out. You talk about being in charge of a big club. It all happened... Very early for you. You were captain of the footy club at 22. You got married at 23. You have your first child at 24. It's a lot to take on in a couple of years. I'm looking forward to my 30s. <laughs> I think I think my 30s will be uh, what most people's would be a busier part of their life with changes and, and having to look after other people. I think sending the kids off to school would be quite a relief for us. Um, you know, having you having three kids yourself would understand just just what it's like. It's it's a madhouse for the girls at home with the kids and you try to do as much as you possibly can, Um, but you also have a career to pursue as well. So um, I'm I'm looking forward to 30s. Hopefully it becomes a little bit more relaxed and and contained with kids going to school during the day and freeing up some time for both Brooke and myself. But, yeah, I'm I'm really... um, glad and happy and fortunate that I was lucky enough to meet uh, an amazing person um, in Brook and marry young and, and share in these amazing part of life's journey um, so early because you know, I'll be 40, 50 and my kids will be old enough to enjoy the same sort of things that I am enjoying. You've always been unbelievably mature so 22 wasn't necessarily a surprise to too many people who knew you but what are the challenges of being a 22-year-old captain in the AFL in a side that at that stage hadn't had a lot of success and was under the microscope? 
I think you're still trying to find your feet in, in what type of leader you are. Um, and probably not until the end of last year, I was, I was trying and I, and I wrote an article about um, accepting your imperfections and um, not wanting to be perceived as this perfect person and this perfect leader and, and what is the perfect leader. I don't think there's such thing. Um, but you're forever comparing yourself to the Luke Hodges and the Joel Selwoods and the Matthew Pavliches and all these great leaders that have had success in their own right. Um, the reality is you can only do as good as you can do and, and, and with the, the skills and tricks that you have and you learn those along the way but you also, they're, they're embedded in you from an early day as well. You talk about uh, the article that you wrote about and you wrote for the Herald Sun the start of May and you talked about how after the build-up of pressure and particularly at the end of last year where you missed the finals, you went to a funeral of one of Richmond's legends in Neville Crow and things sort of hit home and in the end you almost sought help. What happened? Yeah, it was probably on the back of... <clears throat> that, that was the moment that um, it all came to a head um, and tears were even shared. So um, I'd, I'd done a lot of thinking from post-season. We were obviously disappointed with, with the year that we um, had put together. <laughs> um, there was a lot of change that was needing to be had uh, and it did happen eventually. Yeah, I was just at a point in my life where I was confused. I felt like there was a big black cloud hanging over my head um, and I, I had insecurities that I hadn't had before. Um, and if you don't seek help, that's typically when you see a lot of people in the world now, whether that be sports people or just people in business or parents of kids, um, not being able to deal or talk about some of their struggles with others. Um, and that's that's been an incredible part of my journey and I'm very thankful for the people that, one, pointed me in the direction of, of those that have helped me but also just encouraged me to speak about how I'm feeling. Who did you see first? Did you turn towards the club first or did you turn outwards? Or I think in the article you said, you know, I spoke to Dimmer and ended up then speaking with a guy that's really helped you from a personal development standpoint. Yeah, um, probably my first conversations happened with both my dad and Brooke's dad. Um, and, and Brooks' dad's done some some of his own life coaching, if that's what we, you would like to call it, or business coaching. And and he, he was encouraging me just to to find myself first and foremost. And um, then I had that conversation with Dimmer at, at the funeral, and just how I was feeling. Um, and did he see that? Was he surprised by that? Could he see that you were, as you say, had a dark cloud over your head? Yeah, I think it was. So we all show up um, like nothing's bothering us, and that. We'll get back on the horse and, you know, next year will be a new year. But I think to see how raw my emotion was um, took him back a bit because typically I'll try to be that, that level-headed, um, pretty steady sort of person, whether that be at the footy club or in my personal life. Um, so to show emotion and show that you're hurting and, and that you're crying out for help I think was really powerful for him and, and gave him an idea of what was required as well. So you ended up having some really interesting chats with a fellow that helps all sorts of athletes, performers, businessmen. What was the sort of the broad message that he gave you and where's he been able to help you? Uh, embracing vulnerability and the struggle. Um, and Acknowledging shame. that what everyone has vulnerability and don't be ashamed of it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the imperfections. Um, we all have them and that's the beauty of the world, that we're all different. Uh, and then just from there, finding my, my true north, which was 
who I wanted to be, who I am and what my strengths were as a person and partic- some of the things that I could particularly focus on um, to almost blanket out the stuff that really didn't matter. So how do you actually do that? You, there's endless talk back, endless pages written online and uh, in print in paper that get sold on the corner each day. How do you actually remove yourself? Are you still on social media? Still on social media. Um, he, he also spoke about connection and how important that is, whether that be you know, relationship. Um, I, su- I suppose being captain of a football club is a relationship in a sense with 43, 44 other players. So, um, but also to your fans. So I, I, you could easily just delete all, all forms of social media, um, but it's also a way of connecting to the people that you know, almost pay our, our bills. You know, um, They're the ones that you play for on the weekend along with your teammates and your coaches and your family and friends. But, um, so I, n- I never really contemplated giving up social media. It's more about accepting that there is people out there that focus on the negatives in life um, and the things you can't do, but me focusing my energy on the thing that I can do and, and the impact I can have on myself but also others. Historically, if there was a keyboard warrior that had attacked you, would you let that affect you or did it affect you? And can you see the same stuff written now and just drive on and be unaffected? Yeah, I think to a certain degree. Uh, I'm well aware that there's a lot of people on Twitter that probably haven't had a kick, let alone played a game in their life. Um, so that's never really bothered me. Uh, there's commentators, media personalities that <clears throat> probably you know, have a lot of experience in writing about the game but haven't typically played it as well. So um, I think the more you can stay clear in your mind that you're in control of, of playing the game and your actions on field, whether it be training or game... Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, absolutely, yeah. To answer your question, um, I'm in a far better place now to ignore the stuff that means jack crap. Kane Lambert, one of uh, Richmond's midfielders, has been good enough to join us on the line. There's a really good article that he wrote, his uh, willingness to show some vulnerability and the fact that perhaps he wasn't as close to the playing group, um, as, not that he was distant, but different lifestyle, married, young uh, kids and family and all that sort of stuff means that sometimes you don't spend as much time... And, that seems to have been addressed, and he, he did that in a really open manner, Kane. Yeah, he did. He, he spoke to the boys, and you know, I think last year he might have sort of tried to be someone someone he wasn't, and you know, this year just plain and simply being himself, and, and that's why we love him. And you know, he's playing some some fantastic footy, and you know, he, he's been a great leader for his footy club for a long time. And, and as soon as I walked in the four walls, you know, three years ago, I was impressed with Trent, but. In particular, this year, he just seems to be a lot more free and, and has a lot more energy and being himself. Just on the the way it manifested itself, I'm really interested in this. You, know, you said you had a dark cloud hanging over you. I mean, did it sort of... Were you depressed? Were you overly emotional? Did you lose confidence? Was it sort of all of the above? Did you just walk around feeling a weight on your back and thought, I need to unload this somehow? I think it was a mixture, yeah. I, and speaking with... Brooke and, and people that have helped me in the past. Um, I couldn't nail it down to one thing. I don't know whether it was, it was... There was probably an element of anger, which typically clouds your thought process. I, I just seek clarity. I, I didn't have it. Um, you know, to lose your last game by 100-odd points and 
that wasn't a real good determinant of where we were as a group, but maybe it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't think I had any forms of depression, but I suppose negative self-talk or negative thoughts typically can fall under that bracket as well. So I think it was just a mixture of of weight um, and, and trying to carry that around and pretend that nothing was wrong and everything would be okay. Just um, on the fatherhood and um, marriage, you always wanted to be a father. I've known you for a long time. We've always talked about kids and you, know, you and Brooke are... Yeah, the sort of the perfect. I thought about stealing Miller early days, didn't I? <laughs> well, you can have Indy, the second child at the moment. In terms of um, kids, you had two in two years, uh, Harper and Mackenzie. What's the sort of the number you're thinking? You're a big family guy. I know you're exhausted at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't think a big number. Maybe one more. Yeah. Maybe. Go for three. Yeah. Um, as, as family and marriage and fatherhood helped your footy at all? Has it given you perspective? I know that the dark clouds were at the end of last year and at that stage you were you know, married with children. And Has it in any way given you a greater sense of perspective or not changed too much? Certainly, certainly perspective. <laughs> to walk in the door, whether it be midweek after a game um, and have your daughter yell out, Daddy, and run up to you and give you a big cuddle... Um, I remember people speaking about that before I ever had kids and you don't realise how special that is until you actually are on the receiving end of it. Um, and then you think right back to when you were a kid and how excited you'd get when your dad got home or your mum was um, picking you up from school or whatever it was. They're the moments you cherish and they're the ones you need to bottle up and, and focus on. There's going to be an article in the paper that says um, you made a mistake in the last 30 seconds that cost your team the game... It's a game. Um, I know that a lot of people's lives <laughs> and weeks depend on the result, but the reality is the sport I play is a game, whereas my life is what's most important. And people might read into that in the wrong regard and think that I don't care enough about a game. I'm one of the most competitive people and, and hate losing, but um, yeah, life, life's special and we need to embrace it as often as we can. How about um, Trent Koch and Brownlow medalist? It was an unbelievable year, 2012. But in the end, at the end of the year, you were runner-up in the Brownlow. Things changed in the summer. Unusual circumstances to become a Brownlow medalist. How does it all sit with you now? You have to accept it. Um... Yeah, it's a difficult one. I, I reached out to Joe because that's what felt right for me. Did you give him a call? Yeah, left a message and never heard back, but um, I understand his position in the whole situation. Well, I, I don't completely because I haven't been through it, but I, I think I can understand it. Um, and the AFL made a decision that we were going to be the award winners for that year, so if you're forever trying to deny it or push it away and not accept it, then... You know, it's sad. I'll still die a Brownlow medalist, but the reality for me is that you know, we're in season 2017 now, um, and my job is to perform on a consistent basis for our team, and that's that's my focus. Where do you keep the Brownlow? In the safe. <laughs> <Is it? laughs> At least you know where it is. Yeah. 
I wish to call forward Trent Cotchin as a 2012 Brownlow medalist. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You've got some a growing family. You've got some special guests today, but... Uh, I didn't back then. <laughs> no, you did not. You did. But we've got to think of this moment for a moment. So you've had a chance to invite friends and family today. That's, uh, that's unique. Absolutely. Um, and as Sam and I have discussed uh, since knowing that we were going to be awarded uh, the 2012 medal, um, we had to embrace it. It was uh, an exciting opportunity to invite our closest friends and family and uh, those that have supported us all the way through. This season... Five and four the Tigers, three losses under a goal. Um, in terms of the Tigers' list, where do you think it rates in terms of the list you've played under? Could very easily the Tigers be eight and one? I think the results would say, yeah, within a kick we could be eight and one. Uh... I know you're not, and everyone says, oh, you're not, you're not, you're not. But in terms of the list, at the end of last year people were saying, yeah, tired list, long way back. long way back. How do you see it? Really buoyant. We're really confident in in the process, the the work we've done over the last what is it six months really um, has held us in really good stead and will continue to hold us in really good stead. Need to make changes throughout the year and, and adjust to, to typically what the game's giving you, but um, we've seen it not in just our games, but. But every game this season, if you don't play your best for as close to four quarters as possible, games can be taken away from you, whether you're a team that's paying $1.50 to win it uh, or $5. I think the Tigers, it's fair to say, are gaining a reputation for losing the close ones. It's now twice in five years that they've lost three consecutive games by under a goal. So let's take a listen to Damien Hardwick and his reaction over the last few weeks. But there are a lot of positives to take out of the game tonight for us. To their credit, they, they fought their way back into the contest, didn't get the result, obviously. You can look at it both ways. We've lost to the Bulldogs by a kick. We've lost to GWS by a kick. I walk away as a coach incredibly proud of our boys. Do you reckon you've seen a more even competition since you arrived in the game? I think the AFL should take credit, along with all the work that's been done and, and clubs bridging the gap quicker than expected. Um, it, it's so even and it's incredible to watch. Just on um, the game, some punchy ones for you. Uh, and to- topical this week, the bounce. Would you like to see it stay or go or uh, ambivalent? It stays. It's a part of their game. Grand final start time, afternoon, twilight or late? <laughs> Funny one. Uh, we were... At the captain's day, typically the majority of us were just like, mate, couldn't give a crap when it's played. If I'm playing in it, I'll play it at midnight if need be. Jared Roughhead, lots of experience, lots of wins. Oh, but if you play the latest slot, you know, it really affects your after-match celebrations. I was like, good on you, mate. (laughs) I don't even know what happens after the game, let alone, or before it, let alone after it. So um, my opinion is that it doesn't matter when it's played. Still a special occasion, uh, but given his experience, I'm going to say it stays at two or can potentially go to four. It wouldn't worry me. The other thing I was speaking to Josh Kennedy about this, and he said he gets anxious and nervous and just wants to play it. The later it gets delayed for him, the more exhausted he'd be by the time he gets there. And then there's other players like Paddy Dangerfield who sleep for most of the day. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I love, I love the day of a game, especially night games. It's 
the one day that you just float around and cafe hop pretty much and you know, enjoy the sunshine or the rain, depending on what the weather's doing. Uh, unlimited budget and a night grand final, who do you fly into play? It's a really good question. Have you seen Roger Federer on Instagram at all? With He's his, good. Yeah. Singing with um, I think that's Tommy Haas. Bring attention to the game. Yep. Um, I know that Roger's one of your favourites. Mm. As is mine. I may leave Sophie for him. <laughs> uh, oh, Coldplay. Mm. Okay. Childhood. Where did you grow up? Do you classify yourself as a sort of a country boy or... How do you play it? Um, it's a tough one. I've, I've probably gone through... <laughs> I started in Reservoir, so I was just your northern suburbs boy, knockabout. Moved when we were... or when I was 10 to a farm, but it was more a hobby farm, 75 acres, so decent enough. I think based on my personality, I'm more of a country boy than I am... City boy, but I'd, I reckon a lot of the boys would disagree with that at the footy club. So what are your earliest childhood memories? I mean, you sort of around the streets on bikes, kicking footies up and down, finding gum trees to aim at? Yeah, I was lucky. I had a pipe track next to us, which ran through... I don't even know how far it ran, but um, it was a great space to play sport. Um, we had some big trees in the front yard that were typically my goals, and... Jeez, I was a good player back then. No one could stop me. You commentate as you were going about? Absolutely. I was Gary Hocking into Cochin, into Gary Hocking, into goal. Was, was Buddha Hocking your man? Buddha, yeah, Buddha was... I don't know, I just loved the way he played the game. He played on edge, he played tough footy. Um, yeah, shocking haircut, but <laughs> inspirational. Would you change your name to Whiskers for a weekend <laughs> if it meant that uh, it was going to be beneficial to the Richmond Football Club? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think my dad's called me Whiskers a fair bit in your life. Where'd you learn to um, barefoot ski? Uh, in Achuka, Moama. Mum and dad have been going there. They now live there. They've been going there for have to be 40-odd years, maybe, 35 years. So my whole life. In your contract, are you allowed to barefoot? I think it says no hazardous sports. Um, Do you? I don't barefoot. You water ski? I occasionally have a ski and I send a video to Dimmer so he's well and truly clear that that is what I'm up to. <laughs> well, if you're as good as you are in a ski, it's probably not a dangerous sport, but it's certainly... Uh, as I get older, sport. I think I'll have to watch out for the hammies. I have seen quite a few old men bust a hammy on the skis. Post-footy, what does life look like, you reckon? It might be 10 years away if you continue to sort of do what Boomer's done, but what do you reckon... Uh, how does a day look? Are you going to be city-bound or are you going to be... With acres around you and the kids going to a local country school. If you had to guess, what would it be? I am almost positive you'll have <laughs> acres around you, you'll drop your kids at school and you'll be doing something uh, outside of the city. Maybe inside of the city. but Well, it, well you'll be commuting from a farm yeah, if you're def- doing it. Definitely living uh, on some land, whether that be... I don't think I'll be a full-time farmer. No, I don't reckon you will be. But, but I don't enjoying I just... enjoying the rolling hills slash coast. That that really tickles my fancy. Right. <laughs> uh, and I think it's a great environment for the kids to grow up in. 
Um, and my job, I would hope that I've got flexibility. Mm. That's the key to what I do. But I couldn't nail it down to one thing now. In terms of life lessons uh, learnt while you've been at the Tigers, are there any that are obvious to you? Don't we on police stations? Yes. I lived with Kane Johnson when he did that. Okay. That's a nice takeaway. <laughs> um, what have you learned about managing people? I, the, the number one thing I learned in my first two, three, four years as captain was just how flexible my mindset needed to be probably to create that connection which then allows you to have an influence on people. Um, and I think Dusty's probably the perfect example. Um, the way I've lived my life versus the way Dusty's lived his life. Um, and granted, he's come so far. <clears throat> um, our relationship would probably wouldn't exist, let alone um, be as strong as it is now if I didn't open myself up to what people experienced as a kid versus the influences they've had through the middle part of their life and... And just the way they think, act and feel about certain situations. Um, and that's not just Dusty, it's, you know, some of my closest mates are, are the ones that are so different in the way they live their life in the off-season or on weekends. Dusty's, I think, probably had his ups and downs but largely been misrepresented as to who he is. He uh, lived with you for a long time, didn't he? A year or so? No, he didn't live with us for a year. Um, probably at his lowest point, he lived with us for, uh, I think it was four to six weeks. Okay. Um, but in saying that, he spent a lot of time at our house. Um, and the way I put it into perspective for people now is that if I wanted to take Brooke out for dinner and the only option was to have one of the boys at the footy club babysit the kids, he would be probably the first person I'd call on to come and look after the girls. Because he is reliable, because he is trustworthy? Just genuinely cares about people. Yeah. Um, and that's probably not... Uh, the public probably doesn't have a great feel for that. No, not at all. They... Uh, I, th- I think if I was to put pe- words in people's mouths would be... Um, he'd come across arrogant because he's shy... Um, and that he didn't give a damn because of his tattoos, but the reality is that's so far from the truth. He is very shy, isn't he? And that can be perceived with a lot of people as being arrogance, but it's actually just basic shyness. Absolutely. Yeah, he's as raw as they come. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think it's improved, absolutely, but, yeah, put, put a camera in front of him and um, ask him questions that really he probably doesn't care about. He's just going to shut up shop and, and not want to talk about it. If 10 was, I could not be more confident, and one is I'm completely uncertain, where do you reckon Dusty plays football in 2018? 10, Richmond. Absolutely positive? I'd be very disappointed if he wasn't. Yeah. Do you ever speak to him about it? Yeah, we have conversations about it. Um, yeah, As he said, he has a manager for a reason and... He'll do his job, whether we all agree or disagree with the way um, he deals with the process. That's up to them. But um, he's playing outstanding footy. He has done for not just the last two or three years, but probably the last five or six, or since he's been at the footy club, really. Um, and I'm 
confident that he'll just wait it out to the end of the year and sign with the Richmond Football Club. Is it possible to tackle Dustin? Yes. So you don't have to corral him, but you can get to him. What's the trick? Uh, <laughs> Creep up quietly? Yeah, really quietly. Yeah, maybe it isn't possible. <laughs> He's strong. It's exciting I've to train watch. I've one-on-one with him a lot over the pre-season and, yeah, I'm not strong, but... He's incredibly strong. Last one. Outside of um, success on the football field, what makes you happiest? My family. Do I need to elaborate? No, it's pretty simple. (laughs) You? Same. Mate, thank you for the chat, and um, let's hope the Tigers are roaring in September. That's the plan. Thanks, Hank. We're talking footy.